What's going on, everybody? My name is Jake Lloyd, and this is the one, the only AU Hoops podcast. Taping this on Monday, February 15th, President's Day. I am at actually my work office today because I have a lot of work to do. I'm catching up after my New Hampshire winter adventure. And to my left is Dave Well-Dressed Crespo, who braved the cold to get down here, the cold and the slush. And joining us from Chicago, Sam Shortstop Healy's fellas, what's going on? What's up, fellas, man? I've had a basketball weekend with my old man visiting. Uh, ended up going to the quarterfinals of the Chicago City League Championships on Saturday. We played Simeon, for all you basketball fans, Simeon, host of the... Or home of Benji Wilson, the guy named Derek Rose, Jabari Parker. Um, you know, it was the most athletic high school basketball team I've ever seen. I think 13 out of the 15 guys who dressed could dunk the ball in warm-ups. Um, so quite the game. There were some metal detectors going through. Um, so uh, I felt like I should have just put on khakis and like an American University polo and just scouted for them. But uh, good weekend of basketball. Even caught a D3 University of Chicago hoops game yesterday. Um, so even though I can't watch American, I'm still getting my fix. Respect, respect. Uh, let's also remember, so this is all over Valentine's Day weekend, Sam. So it looks like you were sans female accompaniment, correct? Was, it, was the date your dad? <laughs> oh, dude, of course, man. It was just like... Me and my dad listening to, like, Nora Jones on the car ride over to the south side. Um, you know, and then we're in bed about 10, 10.30 watching YouTube clips of, you know, NBA fights from the 80s. So <laughs> it was quite the Valentine's Day weekend for me. Dude, classic. I will say um, I didn't do anything for Valentine's Day. What I did was I bought... You did something, though. You, t- you were telling me this earlier this well, morning. Oh, oh Crespo, you Tell the did people. something. Don't, don't underplay it. <laughs> well, I mean, I did something for myself. Let's put it that way. I I may or may not have bought a massage package for two and just used them for both myself back-to-back, right? So if that's not as sad as it gets, I'm not sure what is. Although I did end the night last night on a high note watching um, Jimmy Fallon's Valentine's Day special. That was... I was laughing hysterically in my uh, in my apartment by myself. So hey, I got something out of it, right? I can't tell hey, you. So, so, so were those back to back hour long massages, making it two hours? No, it was just half hour half hour pop. Oh man! Still two for one, baby. <laughs> can't hate. I'm, I gotta say, Crespo was devastated this morning. We we got coffee after our morning workout and there were like nine people there and Crespo was so excited about the Fallon special and he was like did anyone watch it and we were all like no none of us watched <laughs> it <laughs> so I couldn't even talk about it with anyone it was it was I just sat myself I sat myself drinking coffee what are you gonna do well speaking of coffee I had my Sunday night uh movie friends group no dates involved um this was after of course I watched Duquesne UMass on a Sunday afternoon. In other news, I am still single. And we watched Crazy Stupid Love, and this was our fourth such movie night. The first three, uh, two of them were The Godfather, and then the third one was The Princess Bride. And the last couple, I had gotten tired during the movie and fallen asleep during parts of it. So last night, I had the brilliant idea of drinking a cup of coffee before the movie at 9 o'clock. And as you can imagine... I was uh, 
lying in bed, wide awake until about 3 in the morning, dreading my 5.45 alarm. So that was my Sunday. That was my Valentine's Day. But uh, the AU Eagles, um, three-game losing streak, guys. But honestly, like... I can't be negative about this team right now. They're you know they're seven and eighteen. They're five and nine in the Patriot League. They're back to ninth in the standings. However, they are coming off, in my opinion, playing the top four teams in the league. Of course, they had the huge win over Bucknell, and now losses uh, to Lehigh, BU, and Army. What, what? How do you guys kind of feel about this streak? It feels a lot different, doesn't it, from the initial losing streak that they had in the league? Yeah, no, I think um, it, it, it's becoming a funny season because I think more than ever, they can win every game or any game, excuse me, they play, and they can lose any game. Right. And uh, that's just something, like, more than ever, like, we just come to expect. So um, it, it's the same storylines, too, as the season progresses. Delonte keeps getting better, and that is a great thing. Um, but, again, I don't think I've ever, especially with Americans, uh, have fall- since I've been following them, seen a team that could, you know, day in and day out win any game or lose any game. But um, obviously there's a lot of positives. And, you know, if you can win any game, like we said, you never know. So just come tournament time, we just got to be, you know, as hot and as confident as we can get. But like I said, there's there's no surprises to me anymore. Like, you know, they could they could go into Bucknell, or obviously not playing Bucknell again, but, you know, they could, um, mm. you know, beat a top team by 20 or lose by 20. And... To, you know, to go on that point, what we do know is you're right. Delonte definitely has progressed uh, tremendously in the past couple of games. Um, even even uh, Modic. Modic is looking more and more comfortable out there, getting more and more minutes. Um, what we do know also is that every, every one of these games, every one of AU's conference losses, if they're not winning at halftime, they're losing that game. Like That's, that's what the stats are saying. And so the, the only difference is the one departure from the normal is that Versus Army on Saturday, AU battled back to get back into the game. Even being down at half, this is the only game where they've been back and not just giving it up, right? And so that's going to transition back into what Brennan was saying at the at the presser, um, that even he didn't know what to do. He'd never been in this position with his guys. And so he, he even admittedly said, hey, I made some mistakes. I wasn't using our timeouts right. I'm, I might have been fouling too soon, whatever. Uh, but we'll, we'll get more into that into the Army game. But... What we do know is, yes, AU, you're right, they've had three losses in a row, but we liked what we saw versus Army late in the game, and we like what we're seeing with Delonte and Modic in terms of growing up in front of our eyes. Yeah, and I think I think uh, that, like you said, against Army, that comeback is huge. And, you know, I'll admit being a fan, and, and I'll admit my shortcomings, I actually turned the game off with a couple minutes left. Oh, uh, Healy. So I didn't even realize... Uh, oh, Healy. You know, I, Jake, Jake knows me. Jake knows that my biggest pet peeve is the, the fouling. You know, you got to do it. But, like, once the game gets into fouling and trading possessions, you know, those final couple minutes could be 15, 20 minutes. Um, but, um, yeah, no, I, I, we've never seen American be able to come back like that, especially this year. So that's huge moving forward. Yeah, I mean, so, <clears throat> you know, a big reason why – so many of AU's losses have been like 20-point losses isn't because they've been blown out the entire game. It's been because it's like, you know, a six or an eight-point game with two or three minutes left, and then time after time, 
Bucknell has ended with like a 13-0 run, or even this past Wednesday, BU ended on a huge run and turned a two-point game into what was the final score that they they by won 20. by 20. You know, so all year that had been the theme, and AU had kind of just rolled over um, at the end of games. But on Saturday, really, really impressed with the poise that the Eagles showed down the stretch. Um, especially Delante. Crespo, you mentioned it, and you asked Brennan in the postgame conference about Delante and just his maturation and his poise. But overall, um, I think we both got the sense, Crespo, that Brennan was just, he had nothing really to complain about in the postgame press conference. Obviously, he noted that, hey, you know, these are the kind of games against good teams, against senior-led teams where you have to make the plays in the first half and you can't go the last seven minutes of the first half without scoring. But uh, here are a couple quotes, um, you know, just about how AU battled and how proud Brennan was of the guys. He said, you know, all year we've gotten to these moments where you get hit in the mouth and the team goes on a run and we're done. Today it happened and we battled back. They went on a run, but we still battled back again, so that's progress in my mind. And despite Army's league record, they're one of the better teams in the league. They've been together. They know what they're doing, so they're a really good team. So to put yourself in a position to be there at the end, us not playing well, not making shots, and still fighting and being there in the end, I feel good about our guys and where we are. Despite our record, I like the team, and I like what they're doing on a daily basis. He added, I like all four of our freshmen, and I like our whole group. The upperclassmen have stuck with it. There's a reason these guys are sticking with it and continuing. Practices, it's hard, it's difficult, but they're still... It shows their effort that they're getting better. So I think right now, um, Brennan has gotten to the point of the season. And, and it's funny, Sam, you think about this when you when you just think about college basketball in general. Like one, one guy who always sticks out to me is, is Coach K. And I heard something like, after Duke played Virginia on Saturday for the first time, he said a phrase that he usually says with teams that he like and likes. And he was like, I really like this team. I think Brennan's gotten to the point this late in the season, where he really likes his group of guys. Now, obviously, the unfortunate thing is that AU's season is going to end in you know four, five, or six games from now, most likely. However, um, it's good to see that the Eagles have stuck together and that they could get to a point where Saturday, in a game that they trailed by 15 points with about five minutes left, where they kept fighting and showed the poise to get back within two on a Delante layup with about 20 seconds left and could have won could have won the game. Yeah, and, and let's talk about this. I mean, that's AU freshmen going up against Army's five starting seniors. And these are guys that have have a, a big resume to their name. We have Kyle Wilson, who's still who's sixth in active points scored in the Patriot League. You have Tanner Plum, who's uh 10th in active Patriot League scoring. And the leading scorer this year. And the leading scorer, th- right, absolutely. Leading scorer this year, you have an offense who's, um, you know, m- most offensive points per game in the league. You have uh, uh, Ferguson, four back-to-back-to-back-to-back double-doubles. He's six in active blocks, and he's also... Um, he's the all-time leader for Army and Blacks. All-time leader in blocks, six active in the in the Patriot League with uh, with blocks and also rebounds. I think he's there as well. He is 25th, so he's 25th, you know, all-time Patriot League rebounds. So these are guys with 
has 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 put some numbers to their names. Throw Dylan Cox in there. Throw Toomey in there. I mean, they got experience across the board. They're a well-rounded team, and, and this is a team that beat Monmouth, and Monmouth is even being considered as not large pick, assuming they don't come out of their conference Absolutely. in the Patriot League. Uh, excuse me, in their in their conference league tournament. So, these guys are quite the resume, and AU hung in there. So I'm really proud of what AU did. Um, let's let's go into uh, you know the differences between these losses. If you want to lead the way, Jake. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there are some things that you can kind of point to as to why you know the five-game winning streak has turned into a three-game losing streak. You know, and we'll get to it. I, obviously, the main one is that they're simply playing playing better teams. But look at uh, rebounding. In uh, during the five-game winning streak, AU won the rebounding battle in three of those five games, and the other two it was very close. It was basically negligible, like two or three rebounds. In their losses, uh, Lehigh outboarded them 37 to 28 with six offensive boards. BU 30 to 20 with seven offensive boards. And really, if you take one team statistic from the game on Saturday, Army with a 41 to 27 advantage, including 11 offensive boards. Uh, you're not going to beat a lot of teams when you are a slow, you know, the slowest tempo team. Um, in all of college basketball, and you're not winning the rebounding battle. So that that's to me stands out. Second thing, remember, you know, going back to the winning streak, how good AU was getting back in transition. In particular, in that Bucknell game when the Bison were pushing the ball up the court at every chance, but AU was getting back, getting into position, and really allowed very few easy opportunities for Bucknell. Well, that's kind of changed a little bit. Not drastically, but these last three games, teams have gotten more fast-break looks, and they've really um, kind of dictated the tempo more. Lehigh, the third-fastest team in the league, had 11 fast-break points that helped really blow that game open in the first half. Army, the second-fastest, only six fast-break points. Chris, but we were there. The Army scored more than six fast-break points against Army. I, I, against AU. I can think of two possessions right on the top of my head, where they had back-to-back threes in transition in the second half when they were building that lead. I think it was Plum and Wilson. So AU has um, struggled recently in terms of getting back, getting set, finding shooters, preventing guys from getting to the hole. Um, scoring droughts. Uh, we talked about this at length several times earlier in the season. Um, you know, in the wins... AU avoided going more than a few possessions. I think there were something like three consecutive games where AU didn't go more than three consecutive possessions without scoring. That has not at all been the case during these losses. Uh, you look at you know Lehigh, they didn't score in the first six, six minutes. They get down into a 12-0 hole, and the rest was kind of history there. BU, they're only down 51-47 with seven and a half minutes left. They go six minutes without a field goal. That was the story there. And then Army you got to look at the first half. They go the last 7:47 without putting the ball in the basket. Army builds a nine-point halftime lead, which mm-hmm. ends up being enough. So that's been an issue. And, that, and then the final one I would point to is perimeter defense. AU did such a good job during that winning streak of guarding the three. You know, made it a game where the other team was relying on on uh, inside play. And you know, AU's interior defense hasn't been good all year, but but um, it, it was decent enough in those games, but their three-point defense was great. I mean, you look at AU held uh, 
Navy to 2 of 11, Colgate 4 of 16, Holy Cross 2 of 14, Bucknell 0 of 15 after they went 374 games with hitting the 3. The losses, different story. Lehigh 8 of 21, BU was on fire in the first half on Wednesday, 8 of 14 overall. Army was only 4 of 19, and Brendan alluded to this uh, in the postgame presser that, you know, that AU really wanted to focus on guarding those perimeter guys because they're so dangerous. I mean, Kyle Wilson is sixth all-time in the Patriot League in scoring, and that's partly why Ferguson had such big games. They were only 4-19 from deep, but um, that's been an issue for, for the Eagles um, during this losing streak. So let's talk about this. The, you know, the past uh, you know, three teams are legitimately good teams in the league. You know, starting with Lehigh, of course, four straight wins. Uh, beginning with AU's win, uh, playing up to preseason hype. If you guys recall, Lunardi had Lehigh coming out of the Patriot League in his first preseason bracketology. Um, and so so checking up on that, it's now replaced by Bucknell, rightfully so. Uh, but again, Lehigh can make a push for that late in the season. Um, now, BU, playing, playing injured all season, they got Mosley back. They put together a string of six straight wins, and, and they looked good versus AU. They were on fire. Like, they just seemed like they just didn't miss. And their freshman point guard, um, Foreman, he's been, he's been voted Page League Rookie of the Week three or four times. And he, he just had a game. Like, he, um, he, I think one guy went down for, uh, for BU, right? Like, he came down on someone's ankle. He was out. Uh, on. Yeah. Um, right. And so, BU just... Didn't miss, and they were at home, one by twenty. I mean, that game. You're right; it was close. It was close. It was close, but then they just put that run that AU couldn't match, and 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 again, it just goes back to AU's droughts. Um, and then, of course, Army. Um, they're at full strength with Plum and Ferguson back, and again, they're just a, a deep team. I think, like even at the game, they've got like five guys waiting to sub in at the scorers table, and they can just shuffle guys in and out. And and again, they they know how to play. They're seniors. They know how, they they gel with each other. They have great rhythm. Um, I was even talking to Jake. Arguably, I wouldn't even mind seeing Army come out of the Patriot League to play in um, you know to play in the NCAA tournament. Assuming if they make a run and Lehigh and Bucknell don't make it, I would like to see an Army team. It's exciting to watch. They're seniors. They're deep. They're long. They can hit threes. I mean, I think that'd be a great like um, um, you know dark horse. Granted. As much hey, as you can, not? as much as why you can not? put a dark horse label on a 16th seed coming into uh, the NCAA tournament, guys. If there is a year for a 16 to beat a one, this is the year. I'm going to get more into this in my closing thought, but gosh, college basketball is so like wide open. There's there are no blue bloods this year. There are no great teams. This could be the year. I'm not calling it. I'm not <laughs> making a prediction because it's never happened. I'm just saying. If there is to be a year, and can you imagine if an Army or a Lehigh or a Bucknell took down, I don't know, a Kansas or, Nova. or an Oklahoma or Nova maybe most likely, that would be unbelievable. And we would be on ESPN talking <laughs> Patriot League basketball because we are the experts, guys. Exactly. My dream would be for ESPN no, to be back, like... Sam. In the first time in history, a 16 beats a 1, we are going to go live from the D.C. Scores headquarters <laughs> where Jake and Dave and Sam Healy in a coffee shop in Chicago. Like, I want to be on a segment with Joe Lenardi talking Patriot League hoops. That's my dream in life. So what now, fellas? Uh, 
AU again, they're five and nine to to kind of set the table here. They are five and nine. They've got four games left. They uh they host Lafayette. They uh why am I stumbling here? They host Lafayette. Mm-hmm. They host Navy. They host Loyola. And the one I was forgetting, Sam, please don't have. I hope your dad doesn't kill me on this. Is that they go to play at Holy Cross? So let me let me say that again in in a much better way. They play at home versus Lafayette. They go on the road to play Holy Cross, and then they come home and they finish versus Navy, versus Loyola. AU currently sits ninth in the league at five and nine, but they are only half a game back of Holy Cross, and they will most likely be tied with Holy Cross after tonight. Holy Cross at five and eight plays Lehigh, Red Hot Lehigh tonight. Army is at 6-8. and eight. Of course, they hold the tiebreaker over AU with those two wins. Loyola, 7-7. Seven and seven. Colgate, 8-6. and six. So, guys, you know, kind of looking at the schedule uh, and the different possibilities, I feel like, a, you know, best case, it's definitely within the realm of possibility for AU to go 4-0, which would put them at 9-9. Nine and nine. When, If you consider, you know, them starting 0-6 and, and us talking realistically, I'm sure we weren't the only ones about the possibility of them not winning a Patriot League game. Nine and nine would be incredible. Uh that would be that would give them a very good chance of avoiding the first round. The first round of course is right. the bottom four teams in the league, seven versus ten, eight versus nine. I think realistically, I think they go three and one, they finish eight and ten, and they likely get home court as a seven or an eight, but they have to play in that opening round, probably hosting a Lafayette or a Holy Cross. If you go by Ken Palm project- projections, two and two, seven and eleven finish, I still think they could get the eight, and then of course that you know, one and three, oh and four would abs would you know positively have them playing in the first round and probably even on the road. Um but here's here's something to consider. Holy Cross at five and eight, AU beat them the first time. If they win again, they have the tiebreaker over them. Their schedule is brutal. As I mentioned, they're at Lehigh tonight. Then they're at Army, Red Hot Army. They host AU. Then they're at Loyola and at BU to finish. That is a brutal schedule. You know, the the most winnable game for them obviously is against us. But I think you know, I think they could go winless or only win one game there. You know, if Holy Cross finishes with six wins, AU is in really good shape to finish ahead of them. And then you look at Loyola even at 7-7, seven and seven, they have a brutal schedule. They're at Bucknell, at Colgate, versus Holy Cross, so there one of those teams is going to lose, and then they're at AU. So, you know, if Loyola only wins one of those three, say Loyola beats Holy Cross but loses the other three, so that would put AU at one and one versus them. That that gives them only eight wins, and AU just needs the three wins to tie them and could win the tiebreaker against them because AU beat Bucknell. So I think AU, you know, I think it's very realistic for them to get the seven. Um, I think potentially they could even catch six and eight Army. Army owns the tiebreaker, but look at their schedule. First Holy Cross, that's probably a win, so that gets them to seven and eight. But then at Navy at BU versus Lehigh, Army goes one and three, finishes seven and eleven. AU just needs the three wins to finish ahead of them. Let me summarize here: <laughs> highest fe- feasible seed, 
AU passes Holy Cross, Loyola, and Army takes sixth and avoids the bye. Lowest feasible, ninth. Lafayette is three games back. Uh, very doubtful they'll catch them. Best guess, eight seed with a home game and then three on the road. So, you know, speaking to that, I think AU gets his first sweep um, in the page of the league against, against Lafayette, you know, home on Wednesday. Um, I think even AU, AU can get a road win at Holy Cross, get two sweeps in a row, and then Navy. Navy's going to be a tough game. Um, you know, you know uh, I want to say AU kind of creates a streak because that seem, that's how they seem to be going this year. They win in streaks, right? So who knows? Um, Navy's obviously going to be the tough game. Um, and, of course, Loyola Senior Day, um, not only a tough game, but an emotional game. And, uh, and and unfortunately, Jake won't be there for that game. But don't worry, guys. I'll, I'll be there, have, you, have everyone covered. Um, that should be a fun game. And I, and I like to see these seniors because, you know, Jesse and Marco, they're, they're one of the really, really the last holdouts from the Jeff Jones era. And so these guys played under Jones as freshmen. And now these guys are finishing out their, their careers as seniors. And, you know, they've, they've been through ups and downs. And they kind of end on a senior year where – you know, it's your job really to kind of prep the freshmen. Like, like your job this year wasn't to be, you know, a competing team. It's really just kind of, hey, be that transition so that AU has a foot to stand on the next two years. And Jesse and Marco are really great guys to not only put that on their shoulders, but I think they're doing it, you know. Like, Jesse's playing 40 minutes a game, and while he's not the scorer, he's, 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 the, he's the glue of the team. And, um, and, and then, of course, we're seeing Marco – Marco's kind of like like the, the vocal leader, and you see him with with emotion, and he he loves playing great defense, and you know he wants to be on the court. And even just talking with him in the presser, he gets really mad at himself if he makes a silly foul or, or does something that's against the team. But he said, you know what? His approach is if you do make a, if you do make a silly foul, you don't let you you put that in the past, and you still play with that same aggression the next play. And so that's you know straight from his mouth. So again. Those two guys, it's going to be sad day on senior day, not to, not to kind of, you know, focus on a game that's on, the, on February 27th. But it, it's, it's, we have to give them respect where it's due. And Marco and Jesse have definitely been two great guys to kind of, you know, be that transition for this young team. Yeah, I, you know, I think if you ask Jesse, and he was honest, he'd say he's not happy with how, especially early on this season, he played probably. But um, he, I feel like, has really embraced his role, particularly if you look at the last, you know, eight or nine games. Um, and really good article uh, this past week in the Indiana Gazette, you know, uh, kind of from where you know, Jesse comes from. And pretty enlightening quotes from Jesse just about the experience this year. He said, quote, the past couple years, I was able to focus on scoring because we had older guys who helped to do all the little things we needed to do to win. But with all these young guys on the team this year, someone had to step into the, that facilitator role. The offense is complicated, and with so many new guys in the system, we needed one or two guys to be facilitators. It's fun, though, because I'm learning the game even more now. I'm working on every facet of my game, scoring, running the team offense and defense, and trying to be in all the right spots and make up for guys who mess up here or there. Trying to be that guy that can be that solid constant has been my goal. You know, and he goes on, he says, it can be frustrating at times, 
But at the end of the day, I just love the game of basketball, and that love won't ever go away. Losing's never fun, and there's a lot of down days where I'm not in the best of moods, and we've certainly seen plenty of that. But I try to tell myself, don't stay in a bad mood too long. This is my last go around, so I've got to try and enjoy it as much as I can. Every time I step out there, I give it my all, and I try to enjoy every second of it. The little things, the practices, the shoot-arounds, interacting with the team, and just hanging with the guys. So I think Jesse gets it. I think at this point, you know, four games left in his career. These guys put so much into, you know, being on this team and, uh, you know, they're obviously worked extremely hard by Brendan, and then they got to go back. Uh, you know, Jesse's, uh, it mentioned in here too, he's a three-time, sorry, back-to-back Scholar Athlete of the Year in the Patriot League. And the only player in uh, league history to win the award in three straight years was Bucknell's Chris McNutton from 2005-2007. He can match that. So Jesse is getting it done in the classroom too. Um, so it, it means a, it means a lot to him, and it's just uh, it's refreshing to see that he has some perspective and understands you know kind of embracing the journey you know down the stretch of the season, and, and along with that, he's relaxed a little bit more, and we've seen it. He's he's played better too. So as Marco and Jesse go into their final four games, regular season games of college basketball, guys. Uh, they do so in a league that has gotten weird, as Crespo would say. It's gotten nuts. You know, even a week ago, Bucknell was in great position, you know, had a comfortable three-game lead in the league. And now the Bison, having lost two games this week, find themselves just a game up in the standings above uh, Navy, above BU, and I would assume about to be just a game up on Lehigh, pending the outcome of Lehigh Holy Cross tonight. So guys, things have gotten uh, very interesting. Bucknell, you know, 10-4. and four. They have a plus 11.6 efficiency margin, uh, but their defense has fallen apart in the last two games. They give up 80 to Lehigh, which that's not that surprising, but then 91 to Colgate. Colgate, by the way, Eight and six. We'll get into them more in a minute here. They have Bucknell's number with two wins this year. Also, remember Tillotson last year hit that crazy game winner at Bucknell. They shot 70% on twos in the win. The first time they played, they made 13 threes. I don't know. Maybe Bucknell's just cursed against Colgate. Needs to avoid them in the Patriot League tourney. But uh, very interesting. Then you jump into Lehigh, Sam, and they are just red hot right now. Yeah, no, Lehigh is starting to play like the team we thought they were going to play like at the beginning of the season. Uh, tonight, you know, they're playing Holy Cross on CBS Sports. I know my dad and I will probably be watching that. I'll be watching. You know, switching, switching back and forth between uh, Bruno Mars and the Grammys and a little guy named Tim Kempton. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> now Lehigh's got it all right now. Uh, they got the best three-point shooting in the league at 42.7%. And then they got that inside presence with Kempton. Um, you know, it's just, especially for a team like uh, American, those guys like Kempton and Armies Ferguson are just, we just can't match up with them uh, in terms of our size and our ability. So it's a, it's a tough combination. They've won their last three games by 23, 15, and 15. Uh, and in their last win at Bucknell, five guys made threes, and that includes Kempton. So, Again, I think Lehigh, uh, you know, you could argue that they're the favorite now over Bucknell. So uh, they're finally starting to play like we thought they'd play. 
So, yeah, and now that brings us, you know, to Colgate. You know, eight and s- sitting eight and six in the league. Um, and as Jake mentioned, they they took care of Bucknell. They they took uh, obviously getting the sweep. Uh, but they've lost four of their last five. Um, before Bucknell. B- before Bucknell, correct. Now and even before that, they they strung off four wins in a row before going four, four losing four out of five. But um, you know, it seems like with this Bucknell, they can transition into um, you know maybe besting you know we had them in preseason not doing it. We had them at the bottom of the table, eight and six. Obviously, we didn't see that coming. But it's a team that's three hundred twenty fourth in tempo, and they can beat Bucknell. So they can beat Bucknell. They can beat anyone in the league. Um, another fun stat. Um, 106 shots attempted. 106 shots attempted and 52 free throws, right? So In the game against Bucknell. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the point there is, is that Colgate, one of the slowest teams in the country, you know, not as slow as AU, but very close. Went head-to-head. And yeah. we saw how ugly those two games were. They played at Bucknell's pace. They did. And they beat them at their pace. That's impressive. For a team that we projected to be at the bottom of the league, that's very impressive, and they've done that twice. So, in my mind, that just makes Colgate a little bit scarier because that's a team that's proven that they can win against the league's best teams at different, you know, playing at different paces. Granted, they do have a tough schedule ahead of them at BU versus Loyola versus Lehigh and at Lafayette, which isn't a big deal. But they got three tough games with BU, Loyola, and Lehigh to kind of take care of before they finish out the season. Yeah, I mean, I didn't mention it, but, you know, if Colgate goes 1-3 and three, or even 0-4, oh, oh AU did beat them that one time, you know, depending on the tiebreaker. And again, for our listeners, the tiebreaker, if teams split in the regular season, then you look at their records starting at the top of the standings. So say Bucknell wins the league, the tiebreaker would be how did AU and Colgate, if they're tied, do against Bucknell, and then if it's the same, then you go down to the next team, etc. So, yeah, I mean, a lot, Colgate to me is is kind of a an enigma in terms of what to expect from them, but I do think they're dangerous. Uh, Navy guys, nine and five, plus five point eight efficiency, just below Colgate six point three. National writers, national media, pick up on this story. Navy is. They are the road warriors. This is insane, dude. After two bad home losses and the ship sinking, they win two straight on the road. And Navy is now an absurd 11-2 on the season on the road. I didn't do the research, but I'm going to go out on a limb right now. And I'm going to guess that for a team that is not nationally ranked, I'm just saying not in the top 25 nationally, and obviously Navy is not there, although they did get a vote a couple weeks ago. I'm going to say there is no other team outside the rankings, or maybe should I do outside the projected NCAA tournament field, you know, when you're talking about at-larges, that is even close to 11 road wins. That's insane. That's That's just an amazing stat. So when you talk about Navy going forward, Here's the problem. Three of their last four at home. And their only road game is at AU next Wednesday. So it'll be interesting. But Sam, I think a team that is more of a sure bet in terms of the direction they're heading is BU right now. Yeah, no, definitely. BU, um, 
you know, a, a, a few weeks ago, we could have thought they were kind of on par uh, with American after their win streak, but BU has clearly kind of elevated themselves above that level with their six-game winning streak. Uh, and can you imagine uh, the 24.2 points per game that they're missing with Cedric Hankerson <laughs> and Justin Austin if they had that? Yeah. Um, you know, it, it, even without them, they still have a strong seven-man rotation. Uh, and anyone who saw the AU game saw that BU crushed us. Uh, obviously, they got some help. They hit their first six three-pointers of the game uh, and were on fire. But, um, yeah, BU is a team that is starting to get hot. It is a team that can do some damage in the Patriot League tourney. Um, and right, just below them, we got the team that we've been talking about all year, Barbie. Um, and, and you guys saw that up close, um, you know, in terms of that comeback. Uh, Crespo, what do you think about Barbie? <laughs> Barbie, right. So, as we know, Barbie took AU to school in the first half. They were up nine at halftime. Kind of fell apart a little bit where AU kind of realized, hey, we can go head-to-head with one of the fat, one of the best offensive teams in the league. I don't... Can I jump in? I, and I said this on Saturday. I don't think they fell apart. Like, I just... The last few minutes of that game, like, sure, they missed, like, three free throws. But when you think about a team, like, falling apart late in the game, you think about a team, like, turning the ball over. And I don't think Army had... Maybe, I, maybe they had won, but they did not turn the ball over late. And they were playing, like, decent kind of prevent defense, AU was just hitting shots. So that's just my quick take. I don't think they fell apart, and that's even all the more credit to AU for making that comeback happen. So, all right, yes, I will defer to Jake's take on that. For sure, they didn't fall apart, but they let the game slip away from them. And, and a 15-point lead, which is typical classic AU, where they find themselves in that position. And so, but credit, like Jake says, credit to AU for battling back against an Army team who, in my mind, perennial underperformer. The past two years... I've always been high on Army, always. And now they sit at 6-8 and eight in the league. Um, they've got a negative 1.7 efficiency. Um, they, even in their schedule, they, they went four losses in a row before they went Without off the key on guys. a three. With, correct. Now, now, I will caveat that. They did have some injuries with Plum and Ferguson out. But then the past four games, they've won three of four, and their one loss was a 1.00 OT loss to Loyola. So, so Army trending upwards. They're a healthy team. They're a deep team. Um, but, but right now, it's really all about Kevin Ferguson. And Ferguson, we've seen Ferguson grow up. He was a string bean when, he, when we first saw him live at Bender a few years back. Um, but he's just now a dominant force in the league, and he showed it against AU. He put up 20 points and 14 boards in that game against AU. But check this out, guys. He's had four consecutive double-doubles, 17-10, and 10, 17 and 14, 24 and 12, 20 and 14. I mean, that's that's some legit domination that you're not going to see unless you're like a Kempton maybe. But but AU just didn't really have an answer for him. So that's so that's Army in a nutshell. Yeah, and if I would just add for Army, is there? I would I would say Arm. Well, you can, you could say this about Lehigh and Bucknell too, but they're just so well balanced. Well, I mean, you can yeah. throw the ball in the Ferguson. Yeah, you've got Plum, who is one of the best shot creators in the league. You've got Wilson, who you absolutely can't leave open from three. You've got Cox and Toomey, who can also hit from three. And Cox, who can, he's the all-time assist leader for Army. He can drive and create. They're just a very well-balanced team on offense. And that's why we were so high on them at the beginning of the season. And that's why, you know, when we went, when was that? That was in November, and saw them almost knock off GW, GW right. on the road, we were like, this is a team 
that is going to be really good. And then they beat Monmouth, and we got even higher on them. And then the injuries happened, and hey, that's you know they got down, they lost the fourth straight, but I think Army is back at that level and has as good a chance as anyone. I look at four teams: Army, Bucknell, Lehigh, and BU to win the Patriot League tournament. It's it's wide open to me. Um, yes, definitely. Yeah, Loyola seven and seven. Minus 2.8 efficiency. You know, this is a team that started 3-0 in the league, but I think we all realized that was a little bit... Um, I'm, I don't want to use the word fluke, but it wasn't completely indicative of how good they were or how they fit in the league. Here's the simple problem, guys. And this is the same deal as last year. And I came into the year hoping or thinking that the Greyhounds had shot a lot of shots during the summer. They just can't shoot. Their 45.6% e-field goal percentage, the worst in the Patriot League, puts them well below the Division One average of 49.8. Um, you know, they've lost 3-4. Um, I still think with their defense, the best way for them to win games is to make it ugly. You know, Kind of similar to AU. And they do have a creator, a guy who can really make things happen, and my boy Dre Walker, who will always be my boy, by the way. But they just can't shoot. So my boy Blue. That's the problem with them. Sam, Holy Cross, five and eight, minus ten point nine efficiency ranking. Play at Lehigh tonight. We have a special visitor. I heard Mr. Healy is with you in Chicago, and he knows more about Holy Cross than than anyone out there. So let's get him on the line. Yeah, no, I'm I'm here right now, sitting on my couch uh, with my old man, who is a Worcester. Worcester native and basketball junkie like ourselves, so he has a lot of experience over the past five decades, I would say, following Holy Cross. But uh, yeah, no, Holy Cross uh, in a, you know American definitely has the uh, I would say the edge and you know the one team where we could hopefully expect a win. But uh, Dad, what do you uh, what are your thoughts on Holy Cross and, and where they've come this season? Well, they made a coaching change. They fired their coach, and they haven't done any better. Uh, they're a little bit, uh, uh, you never know what you're going to get. In, in a half-court game, they're, they're pretty pathetic, uh, but they try and pressure, and uh, they've had a couple of good wins. Uh, Sam, you were talking about BU. Probably the best game they played was against BU, and they beat BU, and they beat Army, but I guess Army didn't have their top scorer. Yeah, yeah. Well, one of the things, uh, like you said, uh, Holy Cross, really struggled in the half-court offense, and I think we saw that uh, perfectly when AU played them last. I think with two minutes left in the first half, I think the score was 14-8 to or 12-8 to American. So, um, you know, if anybody is uh, going to make a team go into a slow half-court offense, it's American. But uh, you guys, you guys got to have some questions for the old man. I know Crespo has met him. Uh, I don't think Jake has ever met him, but I think the last time Crespo saw him, we were enjoying a lovely, free, luxurious breakfast at the Embassy Suites where we were not even staying. Uh, true story. Hey, Dick Healy, what's going on? Long time no see. Yes, the last time I saw you, Dave, I think you were, maybe I didn't see you on the engine with us. You had that tough uh, ACL. Yeah, I was on crutches. Did you have the ACL injury? That's correct. You, you got it. Guilty. The, the uh, but 
uh, on the uh, observation, um, I saw the Lehigh game, and Lehigh, and, and Kempton was coming back from his uh, injury, which and he was good, but I couldn't believe how quick the whole team was and how yeah. well they shot. Yeah. And I went to ask one of the people, you know, what was their record in the league? And it was 3-3 three and three at the time. I couldn't believe it. And it was because, I guess, Kempton was hurt. But uh, uh, Bucknell, and, and I saw Bucknell just destroyed Holy Cross. That, that should be a good game. But, um, uh, Dick, what's, what's the atmosphere like at Holy Cross? Like, does it have, you know, a, some sort of energy or, or attraction beyond the student crowd? Like, are there... Worcester locals going in to see games? Are there people coming in from around the state coming to see games? Well, like, like, what's the draw? Yeah, I'll answer that. It's, it's, it's incredible. Uh, when, I was, when I was growing up, you know, Holy Cross was a big-time team. And uh, they used to play in the Worcester Auditorium. They used to play to pack crowds. And then up until the, the late 70s, they had a guy named Ronnie Perry. And they were a national team. Uh, but now especially when the students are gone. The students were gone from December 18th to January 26th, mm. and you'd go to the game. You'd go to the game, there might be 350 people there, so it's, it's, it's not a good atmosphere, and it's hard for me to believe that they give scholarships. Yeah, Dick, this is Jake here, and, and that sounds very similar to American. I mean, they the schedule just does not... It's not a good schedule for building momentum, especially with the students. AU only had three non-conference games, and there was a five-week break between the first and the second. The second and the third fell during during winter break. So, I mean, they, they didn't really have a real home game until you know mid-January. Um, Carl Charles. And I think it's tough. I think it's tough. For the, I think it's tough for the players too. You know, without that, without that atmosphere, and uh, but the students did come back in the Bucknell game, and, and I went with Sam's brother, and actually Holy Cross was at twenty nineteen, and they had like twenty eight hundred people there. Wow. I thought it was going to be a great game, but Bucknell was just too much for them. Yeah, well, that's that's a really good crowd. I don't, I AU has definitely not drawn that well this year. But but you know, speaking of the team, you know, Carl Charles, the freshman, he started out extremely strong. I think he won Patriot League Freshman of the Week a few times early in conference play. Seems to have fallen off just a little bit. Uh, he struggled in the first game against AU. He was just one of five. He got into foul trouble. Can you kind of tell us what's been the what's been the story with him throughout the season, and, and how is he kind of trending right now? What can we expect from him on uh, this weekend? Well, he, he had a, uh, they beat Army. He, he had a big game against Army, and that was, I didn't realize that, you know, Ferguson was out of that game, but that was, they, they beat them at the wire, and I think he had 24. Um, the, the game against, uh, he had a terrible game against Bucknell, but I think he's a typical freshman. Mm -hmm. You know, when he's on, he's, he's very, very athletic, and, uh, you know, when he's good, he's good, and when he's not, he's, you know, he's a, when is Holy Cross at its best? Is it slowing the pace down? Is it is it the press that really creates things for them? What's the what's well, the, the press? It's, it's the press, Jake. It's like like I said, in half court, they really really struggle because they don't. Um, their point guard is very very good in a quick game, but in a slowdown game, um, I don't think he, he. You know, they they just don't. Uh, 
what I've noticed the games I've seen is the guard play, even from, you know, all the teams have better guards. You're talking about... They don't have... Sure. You're talking about Thompson? Yeah, yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. he, he, he's, you know, he's, he's tough as nails, he's strong, he's quick, but he doesn't have a jump shot, and he's not really good in the half court. Um, and he's had some games... You know, in, in the half court, I mean, he, he, at one point he was shooting like 24%. You know, he had a couple of 0 for 9, 1 for 11 shooting games. So, uh, sounds like a, sounds a little bit like American University <laughs> and a, a guy called James Washington with the freshman who kind of specializes in the, uh, the uh, I wouldn't say up and down, but the fast-paced tempo creating his own shots. Um, so I think there's a lot of similarities, too, between between the Holy Crosses and Americans of the Patriot League. Dick, w- one final question for you, and then we'll let you get back to enjoying uh-huh. Chicago there with your son. Um, you know, first year of Carmody, first year of the Princeton offense. So we're, I think we're, I think we're very curious down here because you know that was a big transition for American a couple years ago with Mike Brennan taking over for Jeff Jones. How do you feel, just as a fan? The players, you know, Holy Cross brought back, you know, a decent amount of players this year. How do you feel those returning players have adjusted to Carmody's system? Well, they, I mean, they, they lost. I mean, the, the dynamic player they lost was right. Malcolm Miller, who's, yeah. who's doing well in the D-League for the Celtic team. And I think one of the reasons why the coach got fired is because, he did, I mean, he, he, Malcolm Miller coming off his junior year, he, he should have been unstoppable in the Patriot League, and he really didn't do much until the end when mm-hmm. they won a few games. But he, um, but to answer your question, I think most of these teams, when you zone up and you're not, you know, you're not playing, you know, uh, hard man-to-man defense. I think it's tough for the, you know, the back doors and all that kind of stuff with the uh, Princeton offense is not that effective. But um, uh, I, I think most teams zone up against Holy Cross. And did you notice any excitement with Bill Carmody getting hired, being a you know a quote unquote big time coach coming from a Northwestern, uh, or was it more just you know where Holy Cross is, and, you know their division right now? It wasn't really you know much big news in Worcester. I think the latter. I think the latter. Gotcha. Well, there you had it from the uh, from the source, guys. Dick Hilly, thanks so much. More, doesn't get much more Worcester than that. Thanks so much for joining us. I, I greatly look forward to talking to you. Sam always raves about uh, your epic uh, email chains about Boston sports, about the NBA. As, as a basketball junkie myself, I would love to just sit down and shoot the shit about those, uh, those Celtics teams in the 80s. You could probably definitely, definitely out-talk me. But <laughs> The last thing I'll say, I don't want to take up too much time, is I'm a, I'm a cynical old man. I don't care about the pros, but the team I love, and Sam can tell you, I'm not. Is the Celt- this this year's Celtics are the most fun to watch? They have a nine-man rotation. Every game, uh, there's a different five on the floor at the end. They all root for each other. It's refreshing. And now, because they're doing so well, people are talking about they want to get a Dwight Howard. They want to get someone like that. And I think they're crazy because the fun of watching them is there's so much chemistry. What? And, uh, can I ask you one Celtics question? Sure. I don't. I don't think the Clippers would do it, but would you approve of Crowder, Bradley, and the Nets pick for Blake Griffin? Absolutely not. No. I like I said. I love. 
they have in the Clipper game last Friday when they beat the Clippers 139-134 in uh, overtime was just spectacular. No, absolutely not. I, it, but I'm I'm not the average person. I love the chemistry. I love to root for them, and whether or not they can win an NBA championship, they on any night they can beat someone, and they're fun to watch. Yeah, absolutely, and third in the East, I think, right now. So you know, it should be interesting to see you know what they can do second half of the season, and with all those picks, uh, the ability to make moves. But as you said, you know, they have great chemistry. Well, Dick Healy, thanks so much again for joining us and talking Holy Cross. Let's do this again down the line. Take care. Thanks a lot. Absolute pleasure. See you, Dick. Till next time. So, and, uh, and just if I could add one more thing, I think the last time, or the first time my dad ever met Crespo was when Crespo was just out of grad school getting that MBA in between jobs. Uh, so, so he was, uh, he was trying to pick his spots, looking for his next opportunity. So, um, that was a tough time in your life, Dave, that, that, that one year between jobs and, uh, you know, you had some struggles, but he's happy that you're, just killing it in the government. Dude, the struggle was real. That phrase can't be more applicable. I was at rock bottom for nine months. I had to take a job. I had to take a job at the Gap to kind of pay you my bills. You probably had more free time, though. I did. <laughs> I you were stuck the in time. the office all the time. All the free you time. You weren't missing podcasts. No. Uh, I, I only kid. But, you know, he, he does make a good point. Just, uh, you know, final thought here on Holy Cross. They just... Similar to Loyola, they're just not a good shooting team. And when you're playing in that Princeton system and you're only shooting 29% from three, why would teams you know, play up on you? You're not going to get any backdoor cuts you know, shooting the ball that poorly. So, And I think, I think if I could add one more thing, that is, and obviously Brendan has preached for Americans uh, you know, to, chase, to chase shooters off the three-point line. But I think American has done a better job of knowing who the shooters are on different teams. And, and the perfect example yeah. is Loyola, like you said, really struggling from the outside. Uh, Jake, when we were when we were at that game in Baltimore, you know, it felt like AU was just overcommitting, and, and and they were just kind of doing those uptakes and getting much easier shots to layups. So um, I'm not saying that you kind of sit back and let other teams shoot, but just knowing who the shooters are and what are good shots. Uh, I think AU has been doing a good job of not being overly aggressive on the shooters they shouldn't be. You're absolutely right. I mean, if you think back to that game, which was December 30th, remember the one guy they left open was Loyola's best shooter, Lastner. And he killed yeah, them no, with... Yeah, it, it, was, it was frustrating. Yeah, he killed them with the three open threes in the second half. And they were running out at other guys, and you're right, and they were getting to the rim. So, obviously, the Eagles have come a long way since then. But Crespo, finish off this Patriot League rundown here. Uh, Lafayette, you know, they represented the league in the tournament last year. We knew they were going to be down. Did we know they were going to be 2-12 and at this point? No, but they are the bottom of the pack. Um, 2-12, and five wins on the season. You know, three of those wins, obviously non-conference. Um, they've got a negative uh, 12 uh, offensive rating, or e-efficiency, e- I should say. They're coming off nine straight losses. And, you know, what's notable is they do have a marquee win against Army, but that was early in the season. Um, Nick Linder, always fun to watch. I think the the one bright side of this team is the emergence of big man Matt Klinuski. 
You know, this is a sophomore, 6'8 guy who was averaging three points a game freshman year, and he's put up he's put up double-figure scoring in all but six games this year. So that's the emergence of him. He's going to be the future of the team. Uh, Lindner, obviously, one more year. Uh, so, yeah, unfortunately, just not their season. So they round out the Patriot League at 2-12. and 12. Guys, what do... What does AU need to do on Wednesday to ensure that they're not upset by Lafayette? That's a great question. I think Lindner, obviously, he was the thorn in AU's side last year. Um, I always, always think of that, that last game when Lindner would just drive the hole at will, and he would just put up prayers and they would go in. So I think containing Lindner, because he, he creates, everything runs through him. He creates the offense. Of course, Klinuski, um is going to be a threat. Uh, he's a big-time scorer, but I think focus is containing Lindner, tracking him, not letting him get free for shots, and not letting him find holes to drive on. Yeah, I think I think I sound like a broken record, but I think the key to Loyola is for AU um, to really limit uh, the transition points. Uh, you know, a guy like Nick Lindner, um, you know, once he gets some open space, once he gets some confidence. Uh, you know, he can catch on fire pretty quickly. So kind of just limit the transition, keep it to a half-court game as always, um, and really just start attacking those boards because the, the one thing when AU is winning, uh, you know, they, they, they are controlling the board. They are a um, – excuse me, not controlling the board, but kind of just that's kind of a push, giving less second chances to the other team. Um, so just take care of the ball. It's going to be interesting to see Delonte, um, you know, how he does against Loyola because – you know, he's made such a big leap since the last time they played. But, you know, looking forward to, to hopefully getting a sweep. And well, well you mentioned Delante. I mean, Lafayette was really his breakout game. You know, of course, that was AU's first Patriot League win. And Delante went for 23 in that game. And that was the first of two games in which he went for uh, 23. Um, you know, so he, he and Jesse both had 23 in that game. Uh, Lafayette is bad defensively. They don't have a shot blocker. I think the biggest key, and I'm going to keep it very simple here, this is, I remember very uh, clearly David Aldridge saying the same thing to us before the Patriot League Tournament Championship game last year. AU needs to be the aggressors in this game. From the outset, take the ball to the hoop against these guys. Delante, he's done, he's improved leaps and bounds at drawing fouls. Get to the rim, James, Jesse, everybody. Don't just settle for threes. Threes are nice, but get to the rim, be aggressive. And be up at halftime. Yes. History shows that they're leaving at halftime. They got the game in the bag. And I know that's a very, you know, you know, vague statement to put out there, but I think it's indicative that they need to be in the game from the start and aggressive from the start, and hopefully that results in in coming out at half uh, with a lead. Avoid those scoring droughts, too. Um, guys, let's jump into two fun notes. Andre Ingram. So, so we all watched uh, NBA All-Star Saturday night. Crespo was at my place. Sam, I don't know if you and Dick Healy were watching it. Uh, on a side note. Oh, you're, that, damn, you're, you're damn right we were. That was, <laughs> the contest should have ended in a tie. I'll say that. I agree. I agree. Incredible. Maybe the best dunk contest of all time. Aaron Gordon using the mascot in just brilliant ways. Zach Levine uh, dunking from the the free throw line multiple times. Unbelievable. Not to mention the three-point shooting contest. That's what I'm getting to, which Clay Thompson won. Uh, He was great. Steph Curry was great. But, guys, you know there's a D-League 
three-point shooting contest. And you know who won that? Andre Ingram, AU Hoops legend, alumni of the Eagles, uh, fifth on the all-time scoring list. Of course, he played at AU from 2003 to 2007, and he won the contest. He's played in the D-League eight years uh, in a post that AU put up just today for the second time in his career. Uh, this is this is the second time that Ingram won the contest. He plays for the Los Angeles Defenders, um, and guess who? He de- guess who he defeated, guys? Sam, have you read this yet? I, I have, but first of all, did you? Has he been in the D League for eight years? Yes. Yeah. We were talking you talk about this. About, you, you talk yeah. about dedication. That is a dream <laughs> because yeah. you are sacrificing some nice hefty paychecks overseas 100%. Um, mm-hmm. just for that chance to break into the NBA. So maybe, I have a lot of respect for him. Maybe he has a sugar mama. Maybe he's got a, a lawyer <laughs> maybe, wife yeah, or maybe, something. <laughs> maybe he's on uh, sugardaddy.com. You know, Ingram scored 1,655 career points at AU. I mentioned it's fifth on their career list. His 265 threes, third best in school history, and he also ranks second in career starts at 117 and fourth in games played at 118. So pretty cool stuff. He beat Jimmer for debt. You guys might remember Jimmer from BYU, uh, who put by putting up 26 points, Ingram did in the first round and 27 in the finals. That's insane. That's really, really good shooting. So shout out to Andre Ingram. We haven't talked in the past few podcasts about uh, Eagles alumni, but you know between him and guys overseas like Vlad and Roblicki that there are a lot of Eagles Schof, uh you could go on, you know, Lumpkins Brewer, Brewer is in the D-League, you know, Hinkle, there are a ton Hinkle. of Eagles out there uh, who are doing really great things um, for uh, for teams uh, yeah. across the world, so shout out to Andre Ingram. And, and side note, shout out to C.J. McCollum representing the Patriot League in the NBA All-Star uh, three-point shootout. Now, granted, he didn't do as like, uh, sorry, he didn't do as good as we'd like to have done. To, to have done. Yeah. I think he started out okay, but then just hit a stretch where he just wasn't making some, where he wasn't making his buckets. But, hey, I mean, that's He's putting the three-point shooting contest. On the map. That's yeah. putting Patriot League on the map. And it's cool to see him just go head-to-head with just studs like Thompson well, and Curry. Speaking of the three-point contest, and we'll don't get into this. We could debate how absurd the NBA actual All Star game is. Whether it's yeah. just the recreation thing. Mm. A hundred and thirty nine threes, I believe, were shot last night. So uh, I don't think you'll ever see that in a regular season game, even if you are a fan of the Golden State Warriors. Listen, if you go into the All Star game thinking you're going to see real basketball, you're going to be disappointed. <laughs> um, I personally think Saturday night is 100 times better than the All-Star game. I didn't even watch the game last night. I, I was watching it on repeat at 2 a.m. when I was trying to go to sleep because of that damn coffee. Um, Hold on, the one, the, one, the, the one time Jake Lloyd will be watching a Ryan Gosling movie instead of basketball is the All-Star game because he, he didn't have time for it. He was just too busy, you know, watching Ryan Gosling, um, you know, just, just kill it. You're 100% right, Sam. I have no rebuttal to that. Um, one other thing I wanted to note, a really good 
um, article in the Eagle. Uh, Jennifer Reyes, who does fantastic work for the Eagle, see her at most of the games. She was in the press conference uh, Saturday. Wrote a really um, well-rounded piece that was posted yesterday about Mike Brennan and just his journey to AU. Uh, it's got, I thought what was very interesting is she's got quotes in this article from Pete Carell, of course from Princeton, from Jeff Jones, uh, basically from people who have been at every step along Mike Brennan's you know, basketball coaching journey. And uh, I, I just thought it was very interesting. Um, a couple quotes that I want to, to highlight here. So Jones said, said, quote, The thing I think Mike gravitated towards, he was very good at it, but he was also very passionate about player development. That's where he probably made the biggest difference. And hey, guys, when we talk about player development, he has such a big opportunity these next couple of years with Delante. With James, with Lonnie, with Andrea, with the guys coming in next year, so that's that's a good thing to to uh, to note there, and it's great that that Jeff Jones said that. Um, and then the other thing that I found interesting, and that I think we all believe to be the truth, and you know, Brennan's been great in post game availability this year. I think I think he's been very open, very candid, but you can tell that he's not someone who enjoys like sitting up at a podium and talking, or just in general having long conversations. The guy wants to get back to work. So in the article it says, players and former coaches no longer describe Brennan as quiet, at least on the court, and he has become known for yelling to convey his messages. As a coach, he is very demanding, said former assistant Nate Philippe, who left after this year. He's a perfectionist because he is a brilliant teacher. Extremely demanding and extremely competitive. There was one other quote, though, I wanted to find. I'm going to throw it to you guys to get your reaction to this article while I find this quote. Go for it, Crespo. I mean, I'm looking at the article right now. I mean, it's just, it's, it, props to, um, what's your name again? Jennifer. Jennifer. I mean, we, we see her all the time. She puts in a lot of time, obviously, being, you know, a student, um, watching the games and and we hope since Jake is kind of the the journalism stud here he always makes comments that he hopes that they're getting some that, that they're getting something out of this and just focusing on you know the students and watching them grow just from a journalism standpoint and yeah. so Jake is good enough to kind of like keep that in the back of his mind when he's doing these pressers because hey Jake's Jake's like the veteran here I'm like I'm like the rookie freshman and so Dude, I learned Jake's from Jake. the real deal. Me and you were just trying to sneak in extra slices of free pizza and trying not to get laughed at. Guys, yeah. it um, wouldn't be, the podcast would not be entertaining if it was just me. I'd just be spouting off stats the entire time. That's why it works. We need this chemistry. We, Sam, we need your humor. Crespo, we need your fandom. It all, it all comes together. But anyway, um, I found the quote. It was, uh, it was from Jeff Jones, of course. He said, quote, the one thing is Mike loves being on the court, and as a head coach there is so many other hats that you have to wear. And I think when he was still an assistant at American, he still needed to learn the other hats and appreciate that that's just part of the job. You know, Jones goes on to talk about, like, recruiting, speaking with the media, and, you know, meeting with alumni, etc. And then he goes, uh, quote, Mike is... Off the court, and I'm stressing the words off the court, he is very quiet, Jones said. I would say maybe even shy off the floor. He said, you know, 
that you know when Brennan was on his staff at times it was quote it wasn't always easy getting him to speak up <laughs> so <laughs> you know uh, obviously as a head coach now Brennan is very vocal and we see him pacing up and down the sidelines uh, you know yelling at his guys during the games I just thought it was very interesting um, and one other note on Brennan and that, and Crespo we were talking about this Saturday after the game you know and I mentioned his honesty he has said multiple times in pressers this year that this is a learning experience for him. For him as much as it is for the players. Because this is the first year, of course, where Brennan hasn't had the upperclassmen who really don't need a lot of instruction. The guys who, and you were talking about this too, the guys who were recruited by Jeff Jones. Now he's mostly working with his guys you know, next year Jalen Ray will be the only Jeff Jones recruited player. Correct me if I'm wrong on that mm-hmm. team. Yep. He's working with his guys. Uh, he's developing them. We talked about the player development, and he's just learning how to like build a team and how to manage a team. And overall, I think this year he's done a pretty good job. Yeah, not an enviable position to be in in terms of you know turnover and coming off a successful last season. And losing the guys that just ran the offense and knew how to create and get the right people the ball to score. And so that's just been the story of the season is just finding those new scores, um, getting those new guys comfortable in a new system. So absolutely, props to Brennan. And you're right, he was you know, very candid. And, and he said, he's like, hey, I'm making mistakes. I'm learning. Um, and, but he's always high. He's always been high on his freshmen. And we see that with the minutes he gives them. And so yeah, no, I, I I think I think you got I got nothing but respect for uh, Coach Brennan. I think a lot of coaches, especially at the big time level or on their way up to the big time level, um, kind of are all about I don't want to say all about me, 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 but a lot of them really like the attention, like the you know the the kind of flirting with the press type of thing. But you can tell Brennan. Yeah, everything you see is kind of what you get. Um, it's genuine. You know, I, I, could only, I could only imagine what his Valentine's Day dinner with his wife was <laughs> last night, you know, probably just just watching tape and, <laughs> and thinking about the next game. Cool. Well, with that, let's jump into our closing thoughts. Um, fellas, you know what? I'll go first. I never go first because um, mine is going to be, as we just talked about, very stats-heavy. But I just want to say, I this time of year... As you guys know, I get very, very excited. Sometimes I have a hard time containing my enthusiasm because I love college basketball so much. And I haven't been this excited for a college basketball March Madness postseason in quite a while. And that's saying something because it is so wide open. Like I'm, we mentioned the possibility of a Patriot League 16 potentially giving a run at a, at, a, at a number one seed, or, or any other team from another conference making a run. There is so much parody. Um, so I do, I do editing for, for Basketball Times magazine, um, and they put out great content. And one of the great things about doing it is I get to read great writers every month, and they uh, are very insightful. And John Akers who is the editor of BT and, and you know, gave me this opportunity first but way back when I was at Albion College. He wrote a piece uh, for, for next month's uh, issue called Let the Madness Begin. And it talks about just 
the potential of this year to be like the craziest year in terms of like high seeds winning in March. And he started off with some bullet points just about how nuts this season has been. And I'm going to read those off to you. So six schools, as of February 15th, six schools have taken turns being ranked number one. That equaled the most number ones in a single season since seven schools were top ranked during the 1982-83 season, which of course ended with Jimmy V and NC State coming out of nowhere, shocking the world, beating Houston. Second stat, 13 schools have taken turns among the nation's top five, second only to the 17 that rose and fell during the 2003-2004 season. Third set, the teams ranked among the top five had by mid-February logged an all-time high 27 losses within with a month still re- remaining in the regular season. So, so just crazy stats. You know, if you, if you look today at the rankings, Villanova is ranked number one. They're 22-3, and three, but I don't think there's anyone outside of Philly, outside of the suburbs of Philly, that thinks... Villanova is going to win the national championship. That doesn't mean that they can't. I just, no one really thinks of them as being that powerhouse this year. Kansas is number two, and they have four losses, 21-4. and four. Oklahoma, 20-4. and four. Iowa, ranked fourth, 20-5. North Carolina, ranked fifth, 21-4. You go down the list of all these four, five, and three lost teams. Maryland, 22-4. Virginia, 20-5. Xavier, 22-3. Michigan State, 21-5. West Virginia, 20-5. Miami, 20-4. Arizona, 21-5. Iowa State, ranked 13th, is 18-7. Kentucky, 14th, 19-6. Dayton, 21-3. Oregon, 20-6. Purdue, 20-6. Louisville, 19-6. Notre Dame, 18-7. Duke, ranked 20th, 19-6. SMU, ineligible, 21-3. Indiana, Absolutely a team that could win the national title. 26th is ranked 22nd. Providence, 19-7. Texas, 16-9. Nine losses, and they're ranked 24th. Baylor, 18-7, closes out the top 25. Guys? In unrelated news, Jake is single. Hey, that was easy. I could have done that without doing any research. I was just reading down the rankings on ESPN.com. That was that was the easiest part of this podcast for me. But, yes, you are correct. Oh, oh. Oh, oh, I know, but but when it comes down to a Duquesne-UMass game, uh, I got nothing but respect. Can I, a couple more notes. Others receiving votes. I'm going to pick a few here. My Michigan Wolverines, I'm actually happy about them this weekend. Huge win over Purdue on Saturday. Guys, Karis LeVert is finally back from that foot injury. They received 17 votes. Stony Brook. You remember Stony Brook? They receive 13 votes in the AP Top 25. Stony Brook Crespo, undefeated in the America East, dominated AU. I think we all thought, were we all in unison that Stony Brook was, at the time at least, the best team that AU faced in non-conference play? Better than uh, LSU. 100%. Better, I yeah. Yeah. I mean, better 5-4. I guess you, you, you could argue VCU. VCU is actually playing really well too in the in the in the A10. However, I, w- I would go Stony Brook. Stony Brook was four right? four yeah. when they came to AU, but they played in that big guy who had four scouts were out to see him. That's right. We sat yeah. next to NBA scouts. That's absolutely yeah. correct. And and that's a great transition into my my topic. But I'll I will I will just tease you 
tease you about Jamil Warney. He's going to be the subject coming out for me uh, the next couple minutes. The only other one yeah. I was going to mention, guys, listeners, you, you get ready to fill out your brackets. A couple more mid-majors to look out for. Yale. Watch out for Yale. Remember the end of last year, the absolute heartbreaker for Yale? Mm. Uh, I think they, they only needed to beat Dartmouth in the final game, and they lost to Dartmouth, which was like low in the, in the uh, Ivy League standings, which then created a one-game playoff, because, of course, the Princeton League is the one league that doesn't have the automatic bid, and they lost to Harvard in like a barn burner that came down to the wire there. Absolute heartbreaker. And then in one of the biggest BS moves ever, the NIT somehow skipped over them, which was just absurd. Um, Yale receives three votes in the AP Top 25. Again, they're trying to go to the tournament for the first time since, I think, like 1964, if I'm uh, correct here. And if you look at the Ivy League rankings... Yale eight and zero, Princeton six and one, Columbia six and two. Those are the three teams. Guys, I'm pulling for Yale. I, I hope the Bulldogs make it, and if they do, I think they can build off of that momentum Harvard's had the past few years. They had the two wins. Remember back to back years they had the wins, and then last year they took North Carolina, a good North Carolina team, down to the wire and lost by two. So that's another team, and then an obvious one to look out for, of course, is going to be. Uh, you know, Monmouth, Monmouth, assuming they make the tournament. So, just a few teasers here as we are, what's the date today? The 15th? I 15th. think we are almost exactly, almost, we are less than a month yeah. away from Selection Sunday. And with that, Dave, well-dressed Crespo, what is your closing thought? Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cut you off, Crespo, oh. and I'm going to give my closing thought, if you don't mind. Power move. <laughs> Mic drop. Power move. Go for it. Battery, battery running down the phone. Old man hungry, looking for a turkey club sandwich. I gotta make the move. I feel you. I'm Jeremy Champ. My father got me this jam. Yes, Um, Terrible, terrible impersonation on that one. I apologize. Um, I just want to give a shout out and congratulations. And uh, you know, I know, I know that you guys will, you know, follow me on this. And Jake is kind of the lead here in terms of the relationship, but. David Aldridge yes. getting inducted into the Hoops Hall of Fame. Uh, you know, and I'll keep this quick. And you know, and I don't know David too well, just from the, the few meetings, you know, at Bender. Uh, but could not be a nicer, just more successful guy. You know, I mean, and it's just crazy to turn on the TV, and, you know, and see him in the company of the Shacks, the Allen Iversons. Uh, on NBA All-Star Weekend interviewing Kobe with LeBron coming in. Um, but again, obviously one of the most famous AU alums, uh, one of their biggest supporters. Uh, just wanted to give a shout-out, congratulations to him. But more than anything, uh, just a great guy. I mean, there's no difference between him and the success he's had uh, and anybody else you're going to walk into Bedroom Arena and talk to. Um, so, you know, good things do happen to good people. So just want to give a shout-out and congratulations to David. Maybe my favorite thing among many about David Aldridge is that he so seamlessly goes between being professional reporter, you know, on TNT, you know, interviewing Greg Popovich, interviewing the President of the United States during a Bulls game, to just being a rabid fan at AU Games, 
yelling at the refs. Yelling, yes. You know, nothing, no profanity, anything like that, but yelling at the refs, yelling funny things. You know, of course, Crespo will never forget our experience watching the uh, the Patriot League semifinal with him at, at Public Tenley last year when he was, even with AU up like 15 in the second half, he was like pounding his fist on, on, on the counter, you know, every time Pee Wee turned the ball over. Uh, he so seamlessly goes before bef- between being that legendary professional reporter to being a fan. And as Sam said, he's just such a genuine guy, so approachable and, for, for and, someone. And I, I, yeah. I, I don't know if this is, uh, this is secret news, but, you know, and, and I'm not calling anybody out, but even when uh, you congratulated him, I believe, you know, you know he, had, he was at the All-Star Weekend this weekend, but a part of him, you know, wanted to be a vendor for the whiteout. And, uh you know, you got a guy in the Hall of Fame national spotlight of broadcasting that still wants to be a vendor and still sees, you know, following AU. It's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, very awesome. So, yeah, thanks for, for bringing that up, Sam, because it's obviously very, very well-deserved for David, and uh, we look forward to seeing him at more games, and he provides such valuable insights to us, even when he's not on the podcast, just in terms of what he sees, because he has such a great grasp on the X's and O's of basketball and, and also kind of the inner workings of, of how a team you know goes through a season. So, yeah, definitely props to Aldridge. Congratulations. Um, so so my uh, last thought, closing thought, is with... Uh, and that noise was we just lost Sam. You know, he had to go out with the old man. Hey, he needed a sandwich. When <laughs> Dick wants a sandwich, he's going to get a sandwich. Um, but... Following uh, tracking Jamil Warney, and of course, you know he came in with Stony Brook against AU, and that's probably one of the biggest talents we've seen coming to Bend Arena this year. Was this you know six eight big guy who dominated AU with twenty two points, ten of twelve from the floor. AU didn't have an answer for him, but kind of tracking his story, digging a little bit deeper, he's got a great story, and he's on track to become an NBA pick, uh, you know, this summer, and basically. You know, he, he kind of fell into basketball. He, he didn't play until he was like 10 or 11 when like someone asked him, like a parent asked his mom to play on, the, on, an, on, an, uh, on, on just a team, I think just a talent team. He was 5'10 when he was 10 years old, 11 years old. So, he, so he's already big. And, um, and he, he uh, you know, I will say this. When I was doing my research, he's probably got the best Twitter name out there. All right, so Jamil Warney, right? Jamil Warney. Better than King Zeke 44 Dude, his his handle is Full Course Meals. <laughs> Full Course Meals with a Z. I mean, how how pretty amazing is that? That's baller. That's baller. But anyways, all right, so so let's start with this. Like, let's look where he's at right now. He's sixth in the nation with 17 double-doubles in all D1. He led D1 in double-doubles all of last year. Um, his team, Stony Brook, is having a pretty special year. They're undefeated in the America East. They've won 18 in a row. 18 in a row. Um, and so, you know, the big question is, can they go undefeated in the rest of their conference? Which, you know, very likely. But the big story is, you know, since they're in the America East, they've got to win their tournament. And they've had two heartbreaking championship games past two years where they've lost to Albany. We know all about heartbreaking championship we- games. <laughs> We, we were the subject of a heartbreaker ourselves, AU Lafayette, as we all know. And, you know, these guys, if you remember last year, I think they lost to Albany by one point by some, like, prayer 
three. That went Cooley, up. Cooley. Yeah. The Australian guy. That's right. Like, banked it. Un unreal. Unreal. So they've had their hearts broken, and they're hoping that this is the year, especially since Warren is a senior this year, right? So let's go back to when he was a kid. Um, you know, came, came from, a, you know, growing up was tough. He talks about how the power would go out, and he would have to go to his best friend's house for a few weeks just to do his homework until the bills could get paid, and then his family could move back into his house. He made a lot of sacrifices. You know, he, he wasn't, um, he, he didn't have good grades. He would miss a lot of school. But, you know, his high school coach kind of like took him under his wing, and he made his first A his senior year. And then he's like, man, I can do this. And he kind of like, that, that kind of like built up his confidence. And he's having, and, 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 that, and that took him into college where, um, you know, he's very successful academically. But one of his biggest high school moments was he he was he had to go head to head against Michael Kidd Gilchrist. Right, mm. played him in high school, and so when he was a junior, when Warney was a junior, he put up twenty and eleven, going up against uh, Kidd Gilchrist. Of course, we all know he went to Kentucky, drafted one or two, two second, second, um, and uh, after one year, um, and so. The reason why he ended up at Stony Brook, and this is the story, you know, why is, it, why is an NBA talent at Stony Brook? Well, it's because going into his senior year of high school, he's playing in AAU Summer League, and he was going up against a guy that Iowa was scouting. And he was going up against Adam Woodbury. Of course, everyone knows Adam Woodbury, good Iowa team, four-year big man. You know, he Plays a little dirty. Plays a little dirty. But he outplayed Adam Woodbury in that game. And so when Iowa was scouting him, he's like, all right, Let's let's start putting uh, you know tracking this guy, this Jamil Warney guy. So that kind of created this buzz, and everyone's like, "Oh man, Iowa is following this guy." So then a lot of big name big name schools kind of got in that bandwagon: Villanova, Notre Dame, Tennessee. So he's got some power conference schools looking after him. But Stony Brook had an in with one of the coaches at, at his high school, and so. He visited Stony Brook, and you know he, he mentions that he's like a man of you know his word, and he never wants to be showy or anything like that. And the minute he checked out Stony Brook's campus, he was like, "Man, this is where I should be going." And you know he could have gone you know local. Everyone thought he was going to go to Ryder, but Stony Brook had the in with 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 the coaching relationship, and um, and so that's kind of where he's at today. And he won you know Rookie of the Year in, in the America East. And then his sophomore and junior years, he won Player of the Year. So he's got a lot of accolades to his name. Uh, I think it's a great story. And, you know, he, he, he's 6'8". And everyone's like, you know, he, he's going to be a small post player. Uh, but he has the wingspan of a 7-footer. That's more important. And that's, and that's kind of one of his standout things. And, so, and as we saw, as Jake mentioned, there were NBA scouts at the AAU game checking him out, rightfully so. So... That's kind of a great story watching, you know, AU's played some NBA talent this year. Um, and and well, I'm, I'm excited to see how that pans out. I want to see Stony Brook come out of the America East, maybe, you know, be another dark horse in the NCAA tournament as, you know, um, they've, they've been in that position the past two years. They just haven't made that, made that hurdle. And so maybe this is their year. I hope it is. I mean, and that's a great story. Thanks for sharing that, Crespo. Um, you know, just a few points on that before we finish up the podcast, you talk about the America East. You know, you look at Ken Palm's uh, ranking of conferences by averaging adjusted offensive and defense efficiency of teams. They're actually right below the Patriot League. Patriot League's ranked 26th and America East 27th. 
So, you know, that gives you obviously, and we've seen from experience too, but that gives you hope that, you know, there can be really good teams in the Patriot League. You know, we've seen it before. Um, but it, it just, again, shows. Also, my second point is that you get a kid who's pre- precocious, you know, mature beyond their years, and you get in there early, even if they end up being a kid who is recruited by bigger schools. And I'm obviously not talking about, like, five or even, you know, four-star players, but three-star guys. Guys like Delante, who we think is going to be very, very good by his junior and his senior years. You get in with them, and you establish a relationship early as a Patriot League school, as an America East school, and they're the loyal-type kid, the mature-type kid. You have a good chance of getting these kids. I mean, recruiting is obviously very tough for these schools, you know, especially when you do factor in the academics. But, you know, Warney's story you talked about. Didn't get an A until senior year. Got it together academically. Ends up at a, at a good academic school. And now, you know, it's paying dividends. And that's something that Stony Brook can take. Him being drafted potentially in the first round. And that'll be on the front of every single recruiting package that they send out to, to guys. Because... I mean, what percentage of high school players, even if the numbers, you know, are awful in terms of how many high school kids end up in the pros, but what percentage of high school guys dream of at least playing some form of professional basketball, whether they're going to a Kentucky or going to an AU? A lot of them. I mean, we watched that video a couple of weeks ago about Lonnie, a good feature on Lonnie, said he wants to play at the next level. Mm-hmm. And if you look at Lonnie now, obviously he's not a next level player, but four years later you never know so great story thanks for listening everyone to this monster podcast uh this has been a lot of fun uh you know we've only got four games left the season's winding down but it's been it's been great following this team following the eagles progress throughout the season even if there haven't been a lot of wins and obviously we will continue to do so uh starting on wednesday you can find all episodes on itunes search au hoops two words also, go to auhoopspodcast.com for all of our episodes. Uh, we also embed uh, SoundCloud versions on that site. So, a uh, bevy of ways, really, to listen to the podcast. And we also post um, all of the quotes from post-game uh, press conferences of home games on that website. So, that's another good resource for you. Thanks again for listening. And as always, Go Eagles! Go Eagles!